Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. <laughs> this is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. Uh, well, last time I was trying—that's what I was trying to recall. What? Where was I going the last time I was on the plane? Wow, I, really I don't know. I think it must have. <laughs> <laughs> this is, damn, it's it's been a long fucking time since I've been on a plane. I think it was. You're like, the only one who's got the answer here. Like I think I was—I went to Mexico with my family, and that's couldn't just drive four hours. <laughs> I mean, I don't live in Los Angeles. I mean, my family doesn't live. They live in. Well, we don't have to dox anyone excuses, here. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, that's that's coastal elite. That's coastal elite living for you instead of doing a 12-hour drive. <laughs> Last time I was on a plane, I watched... I, I, I was trying to sleep the whole time because it was like a red eye, but I couldn't fall asleep, so I just watched Heat. That was pretty that's cool, me. watching Heat on a little, like, five-inch screen on the back of someone's seat. That seems like a good airplane move. Like, I feel like You've it's, seen it before? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. It's not like something that you've seen before, because yeah. I was... I remember when I was like 15 and I think I had a laptop and I watched like Lost Highway and Rebels of the Neon God on a plane. I don't <laughs> and I and I and I, and I don't think I could get into that mentality like ever again. I I was Yeah, that, saying, that's some atmospheric shit to watch on a plane. Plus like Lost Highway has a bunch of like sex shit in it too. Yeah. So it's like damn uh, freak shit. Some some freaky ass shit. Yeah. A really naughty plane ride. I'm not comfortable doing anything besides like reading or listening to music's fine too but it's just like i can't like unless it's like the airplane movie or whatever i can't i'm not gonna pull out my laptop and watch something i don't know i don't know why but yeah i'm against well, it I, I mean i hadn't flown on a plane in like 10 years until last year right yeah. before covid and um yeah so i was impressed with the uh you know individual tvs that you got there on the the back of the seat in front of you and that it's like Whatever you choose on there, no one can judge you because it's like, look, this is in-flight programming. <laughs> this exactly. is, you know, I, I know it's all right. <laughs> yeah. I know I watched um, Almodovar's newest, Pain and Glory, on that. And it's like, look, if someone's looking at my screen while dude's hanging dong in that movie, this is in-flight programming. I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't know that was happening. Well, they always have to, ha they have to have a LGBT offering for, <laughs> yeah, for uh, passengers like you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that joke didn't land as well as I'd like it to. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, well, that's all that matters. Two against one. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 108. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. JT, calling all the way in from Pennsylvania. Well, what's it like over there? Um, well, I'm not sure if this is going to get included in the episode or not, but Malcolm, you mentioned coastal elites a little while ago, and I'm just out here feeling like a coastal elite in a small town. <laughs> I was uh, at the wow. grocery store today, and uh, I was buying hibiscus LaCroix, and the cashier told me that's a rich person's drink, and I was like, these are like, less really? than, like, these are like 99 cents a can. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's fancy, the fancy college boy coming back to town, sipping his LaCroix. You what know? do they expect you to do? Put it back on the fucking shelf? It's just banter. You know, it's just a little, little so chopping banter. it up, you know? Oh yeah, he's from rich. He's from Richtown. He's from Richtown. <laughs> oh yeah, rich college boy came down here, got some Lacroix. <laughs> I saw a guy buy like ten white owls in front of me at a Seven Eleven yesterday. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> Everyone's judging JT at the Wawa. 
Oh yeah, he's a California boy over here. <laughs> is that is that what people from Pennsylvania sound like to you? Would you would you say that? I mean, a, that's like he did a good approximation. That's kind of like a Philly. He's like I've heard a lot of Philly accents recently because of the mayor of Easton, and I like I love to see representation of my culture. Um, there are a lot of different variations. I think like Wooder and Go Eagles is like a, those are common <laughs> ones. I'd say it's a pretty good one. Thanks, JT. <laughs> it's my first voice I've really uh, trotted out on extended. Oh, uh, you've you've done some great voices. You've you're, you're ignoring a whole back catalog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're re- what we're really ignoring is the secret episode where I did like six voices, but that one will never be heard. I forgot uh, about you don't the even remember. Episode. Yeah, you don't even remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I do. I remember. You don't remember. JT <laughs> remembered to bring a film to the podcast this week. He brought, you know, it's a, it's usually a double feature, but this week, you know, four hours of content longer than some of our double features. Even uh, JT brought just one movie, a film by Raj Kapoor. Mara Nam Joker. JT, what's your thought process here bringing this 1970 towering film to the podcast? Well, it's one thought, actually. uh, And that thought is www.patreon.com slash extended (laughs) clip. I'm just trying to boost those fucking numbers. I'm all about that money. I'm all about that cash, baby. And look, frankly... Things aren't going as hot as I want recently, and uh, I'm I've I have my money involved in a lot of projects. I need to see some important returns very soon, or I will be in a lot of fiduciary trouble. I wouldn't say JT is broke, but the the liquid cash is short right now. It's you know he doesn't have the liquid cash. Well, I'm glad you chose a really popular movie that will definitely get us a bunch of fucking views. So we'll get a lot of. It's you should have picked a uh, Goodfellas or something. People love. I just look. People love jokers of all sorts. That's true. Last year, that was the biggest movie. People were crazy for it. Um, and I think with some careful marketing people will be excited to reflect upon Joker and Joker's legacy. But which Joker is it? That's for us to tell. Wow, that's so true. So in terms of the <laughs> clickbait thing, does that mean this episode is just going to be called like the Joker or something like that? Um, Yeah, like maybe IndieWire <laughs> looks back. IndieWire BuzzFeed uh, reflect <laughs> upon Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker's Legacy. One year later. I or like, was it two years later at this yeah, point? I guess it's closer guess it's to two. two I, I, I like the IndieWire BuzzFeed collab. That's definitely some some rare <laughs> shit that's going to get people to click for sure. That's a vertical integration that we need to bring, you know. Sure, we should collab with some brands or something like that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the film is now that you've told us why you picked it. Uh, what, what is this, JT? Who is this Raj Kapoor fella? This is my third Raj Kapoor and like surprisingly enough, this incorporates like a lot of footage from, or like a, a small amount of footage from the last uh, Raj Kapoor movie I saw. Shri 420 is included in those little like black and white sped up segments. Those are all uh, that take place, I think, in the uh, the second chapter. Yeah, it's what starts the second chapter is a bunch of kids uh, peeking into the little uh, Nickelodeon or whatever, and then we see what they see, which is, yeah, as you said, footage from Shri 420. Yeah, and so, I don't know, I've been really trying to dive deep on Bollywood stuff, and I've doing I've been doing it through a lot of big, sexy stars that you can't get enough of, like Shah Rukh Khan, 
Raj Kapoor. Like, Kapoor just seemed like the perfect avenue to go down um, because he has that, like, every man swag. Like, he is going about it. A lot of stories about poor people. Um, this one in particular about a poor clown, him trying to make his way, like, sort out life through the hustle, all sorts of women in his life. Just figure shit out, man. Just sort of take on a Christ-like position, perhaps. Sacrifice perhaps. his own happiness for the happiness of others. Some real deep shit here to think about. But, I, you know, and I don't want to skip ahead here, but it is, you know, you talk about him hustling, and the conclusion is the hustle continues. It always continues. And always. Whether you're a clown or, you know, <laughs> a shoe polisher. You know what I mean? You, you got to stay on your grind. And I, th- and I feel like if you could take one thing from the movie, it's probably that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so as we said, it follows the story uh, of a clown, uh, Raju, played by Raj Kapoor. And it is split into three segments as this opening segment um well this this kind of prologue shows three letters being delivered to three women three women who were the respective uh, apples of raju's eye over the uh, decades that the film shows the first actually stars raj kapoor's son uh, wow. as a young version of him before raj takes over for parts two and three which is supposed to be i guess his youth uh, which is just, you know, him slightly younger than he looks. And then the third chapter, uh, which is, I guess, how he looked at the time. And yeah, each of these, we just see him simp for a woman and learn how to respect the balance between falling in love and uh, grinding as a clown, as a joker who, you know, takes on uh, all of the pain and suffering in the world and makes people laugh uh, in return. And, you know, the role of the Joker is quite glorified in this movie, as you said, JT, to a perhaps Christ-like level. Uh, You know, at the end of part one, the man who cucks uh, the young Joker, the adult man who marries the teacher who he's in love with, uh, he's like, uh, you know who else was a Joker? And he like points up to the sky. <laughs> He's like old you know, old JC up there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> old God. Or, you know, there, there's some Jesus Christ and some God stuff in here. Uh, I do like how crowds are all addressed by their religion in this movie. It's like a good evening to the Catholics. Hello to the Muslims and welcome to the Sikhs. <laughs> we got to start doing that for our show. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so some people being left off of those welcomes. That, I mean, I'm not going to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. Post show. Oh, no. Well, that's where Albert Brooks comes in in True. 2005 to kind of <laughs> see what was up with that. No, but yeah, I found this movie like uh, completely overwhelming. It's a very melodramatic, emotional movie. Mm-hmm. And the way, you know, the, the movie's kind of mission, right? It's kind of to show Raju's life as a clown and uh, how he balances that with, you know, love and work and, you know, what what those individual things mean to a person and it is. It. I mean, it really just considers it all here, and it is. Uh, I. I don't know. It kind of comes to some, maybe a, some dark conclusions or whatever, or you know, but of what the role of a Joker is. I think it's. It's really interesting how important, like the role of a Joker is made here through like people telling him. You know, it's like you know, there's certain rule. Like a Joker always laughs when he's expected to cry and stuff like that. And yeah, he's got to put the shades on when he gets overwhelmingly sad because you cannot see the tears of a Joker. And it's it's just it's just really interesting how 
him embracing the Joker roots that, you know, apparently since, you know, his deceased dad that he never met was also a legendary clown. And, you know, where that takes him in life is to, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, different places, whether it's like kind of, you know, in the second chapter where we see like the intricacies of like a circus and how that's run. And that reminds me a lot of like early silent films yeah. where like they're all about a circus or kind of like uh, the first chapter was kind of like him. I mean, him realizing a lot of things, but in terms of Joker things, like the pull of a crowd and like him dealing with his classmates. And then the third chapter, you know, he's just so detached and kind of removed from, you know, from the the chance of love even that it's just like he's just so jokerified that that's his life and it's you know i gotta stop myself in my track because i could just keep talking yeah on and on about it but it is uh yeah it's a lot to take in absolutely so let's talk about the first segment uh in detail a little more the, this mainly takes place at his school it's a school for uh m- mainly more rich kids i guess you know the, the kids kind of mock him for being poor and uh he eventually is clowning on the street to help his sick mom uh and then gets kicked out of the school after like the aunt of one of his schoolmates sees him uh clowning and asking for money and she like reminds the principal slash pastor uh, that he hasn't paid his dues yet and so he gets kicked out of school and it's i don't know it's a it's a very like um I don't know, 400 Blows comes to mind or even like something like Tarkovsky's Ivan's Childhood, which is obviously like, you know, this plus war and way more intensity and stuff <laughs> like that. But just in terms of uh, the the grand scale of it and the kind of sweeping nature of some of these huge wide shots, especially that musical number uh, where all the classmates are out on a field and the teacher is leading them and it then transitions to them riding on camelback. Uh, and there's just so many moments like that, uh, especially in the first one, it's generally in the musical sequences that just feel so much larger than just the story of, you know, a boy growing up in school at that moment. Uh, it, it's very much a as much as the first segment is that small uh, coming of age story, it has implications of being such a grander narrative. And visually, uh, Kapoor accompanies that greatly with his dissolves, his wide shots, the montage in general, uh, the staging, especially when there's all the classmates together in one scene. It's it's really just uh, the the first part. He's just firing on all cylinders in terms of this as a huge production. So I think the the emotional apex of that first chapter for me is after he's, you know, just so deeply in love with his teacher. Everyone goes away on holiday uh, except for him because I guess he lives near the school and he's seeing off the teacher and, you know, he gives her this statue of the Joker and he, he gives this statue to all three girls that he falls in love with and it also accompanied the letters he sent them in the framing device and you know as the train goes away uh you just get a great shot of her holding the joker statue in one hand waving to him in the other and he's just like confused as she goes away and then of course she comes back with a man that she's going to marry and the joker learns that uh you know even the joker's gotta be sad sometimes no yeah the way the way like uh yeah like childhood or i guess in this he's 16 so yeah kind of like teenage sexuality is handled in this uh first segment is it's insane kind of that whole sequence where like um 
they go on the field trip and it seems like Raju's getting like teased by his classmates and he's getting like stripped down to be forced to dive in the water. And then his teacher comes and then she falls in and then everyone just kind of stops because they're just like looking at her or whatever. And they all go, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And like and. And then he goes off to the forest to run away. And it seems like uh, whether it's like accidental or just happenstance, he sees her like undressing. He looks for a second and then he literally runs away in fear and, you know, goes like into a dizzying frenzy. And it is like as as uh, like these scenes are so impre- like especially the field trip sequence in particular is insanely impressive. There's like four to six different parts of it that are just like, you know, whether it's like uh you know, the musical sequence of them, you know, all the staging and kind of like all the camera movements and that, or, you know, the scenes I've previously mentioned, it is a, and how each thing transitions into one another too, is I think a really uh, strong point of this movie. Like it, I don't know, like it, like when telling such a grand narrative like this of a, a person's life, it really knows when to, you know, stay in a moment or get out of it. Absolutely. So, There's some really great scenes using the elements then uh, kind of fighting against him going for that teacher uh, who he has a crush on. You know, he he goes up to their house and there's just this crazy rain and thunderstorm uh, pouring down. And then there's another scene where uh, the guy, he's just like waiting for her after school one day. He's just like peeping through the classroom window and the the husband to be just walks up to him, kind of just like, "Hey, man, what are you uh, what you doing there?" <laughs> uh, but it's also just like this really kind of like I don't know, foggy or dusty day, and has to be fog. Yeah, it, yeah. And it, it just looks like this weird brownish fog, though that looks really great. It just kind of murks up the frame a little bit, and uh, then the couple walks through the woods, kind of talking about him. Uh, and it's I don't know, it's just so beautiful, and of course. Raju fully becomes the Joker at the wedding, uh, where David tells him that you know the biggest Joker of them all is <laughs> points to the man upstairs. <laughs> JT, anything on the the first segment you want to say before we move on? There is so much like visual style on display there right from the beginning of like how you get introduced into the narrative, um, like. The, or sort of the overarching um, way in which the story is presented where the heart like sort of crashes into the ground and then through the glass we see the first woman who the story is presented um, sort of centered on. And then I know Malcolm was talking about um, the sequence of him like accidentally seeing his teacher sort of by the water there. Mm-hmm. But just the way it's like intercut, like I yeah. think that specific moment of understanding like his shit. All right. Am I cutting it out a little bit? But yeah. We're getting you. We're getting, we're getting you. you though. Okay. Um, the way he like can Kapoor like sort of hyper fixates and like focuses on that like youthful attraction in that moment, like feels so genuine because he has this like, weird like mentorship style like affection for her I think it's like really it's an interesting character to sort of have begin like the women that center his life the first one being like someone he obviously can't have like the intensity of him seeing his teacher kind of undress and how that like affects him in a a weird way mostly because he knows he's like in the wrong 
for doing so. And then like, uh, like, yeah, then it kind of cuts to him like on his bed, like thinking about it. And like, when he thinks about it, she's nude, she's not in her underwear. And yeah. it does that thing where it cuts to between them back and forth. And that with like the shots of like the, the circular air, like shots of the trees and stuff like that. It's, you know, you really get to feel it from like that kind of, personal perspective but then with that fog scene you kind of mentioned then you know Raj Kapoor gets to kind of pontificate about the situation and like Mm -hmm. I really do like this scene because it is like it is a like of course there's an interesting dynamic between you know Raju and his teacher but the the teacher's boyfriend too is you know very sympathetic towards him you know of course you know how could he not be you know this poor this poor joker ass kid yeah he's not gonna cuck the the husband like he's 16 he (laughs) He knows it's just you just got to take him under his wing be like come on man like throw him a bone like you get a pity kiss on the wedding yeah exactly on the cheek on the cheek i like but I i like this or like when he's uh at the teacher's field hockey game or whatever, which is just like, I like the cool detail that she plays field hockey mm-hmm. or whatever really fleshes it out for some reason. But, uh, and, Oh, and she's athletic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, she was my favorite out of the three women personally, but, uh, um, <laughs> no, but like it is well, actually me too. And we, can't both have her so (laughs) (laughs) eddie's stared at me with that 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 joker stare right now but uh um no yeah i just i guess i like that he the the husband takes him under the wing and is like Mm -hmm. this is how you be a joker and it's like maybe teaches some maybe some lessons that maybe weren't the healthiest i guess not at all yeah no because he he's the one gassing him up about the uh sacred role of the joker more than anybody else yeah you know his mom's telling him not to do it because that's how her uh how his dad died and left them broke and you know helpless uh but he's just like not only was god the biggest joker of them all uh it's just yeah all all of the unfairness in the world this cruel game of fate it really won't matter to you if you're a joker so you should just do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i you know it didn't i don't think it was the best advice to go by but (laughs) but it took him down the path of an entertainer uh, let's talk about part two for a while and then we'll split it down the middle evenly to, uh, because th- <laughs> this is an episode about a four hour movie that we are just going to oh. go, uh, split like an intermission for the middle segment, but let, let's, uh, move I just on. wanted to touch oh, on ahead. one last thing from part one. The, every time the, uh, husband is like telling Raju about the sacred importance of the Joker it really reminded me of like that type of like stand-up comedy, like clowns prayer sort of stuff, where it's like <laughs> stand-up comedians are the modern-day philosophers kind that's of vibe. True. It's that like that's the that's the role of the Joker that the modern-day philosopher he is, he is called a philosopher at one point explicitly, <laughs> which he refuses. I feel he I refuses. I and I hope that's the message we're supposed to take away from refusal. <laughs> I guess yeah. I like like it is it is interesting how. I, I I guess I've probably already said this, but it is just like he takes the Joker mentalities like that's how I'll live my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our first intermission and then we come back for part two and we just see the scene at a boardwalk kind of area where there's kids uh, watching scenes from Shree 420 
and he's just wandering about, uh, just clowning around, uh, looking for work. And uh, what what do you know? The Soviet circus is in town, <laughs> and he he you know meets some beautiful Soviet trapeze women. Uh, he he tries to watch one of their dogs, and it gets away, and it becomes the meat cute with his uh, second. Uh, love interest of the movie. I forgot that Malcolm just learned the phrase meet cute a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my toxic masculinity peeking through. <laughs> but the second uh, portion of the film, as Malcolm said, does recall a lot of silent cinema, particularly the film The Circus by Charlie Chaplin, uh, but also the uh, uh, Browning and Cheney film that we talked about, The Unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of old-timey circus movies that honestly kind of bore the life out of well, me. I think what, I think Victor Strolsom's, was it like The Day the Clown? Or no, that's Jerry Lewis. He Who Gets Slapped? He Who Gets Slapped. I, I feel like has to, mm. Rosh Kapoor had to see that. I, I actually haven't seen that one, but it sounds awesome. It's all about sad clowns, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really love my shit. I love this movie because I feel like it touches on so many recurring themes. Like I, I recalled our circus conversation about how a bunch <laughs> of old movies are obsessed with the circus and loving love. I mean, That's like true. this, there's like you get burned by love a lot in this movie, but none like this. The part where uh, Raju and the Russian woman are just like learning each other's language and trying to speak mm-hmm. to each other through like little books. That's so adorable. I love those little moments. Oh yeah. The the second part is a very, uh, almost like a traditional kind of romance, even, even with like the gimmick of the language exchange, but it just blossoms in such a, when I say natural way, I mean natural in movie narrative sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is really incredible, and you just see so much great performance. You know, it's it's much more restrained than the first part uh, in terms of, I guess, the uh, photography because it's all uh, restricted to interiors pretty much. It's all inside the tents. But that just amps up what is going on inside of those frames, and the performances here are just incredible. Uh, I love the musical numbers, uh, the one where... Uh, for, it's as Raju is working at the circus as a janitor, he does this number, uh, you know, like watch where you're going or something like that, <laughs> which gets him hired to be a performer. And he does that song. And there's also one trapeze performance that looks like it's like in a glow in the dark kind of black light kind of mm-hmm. mode. Uh, and it's also awesome because it seems like it's happening at the same time that he uh, is performing on the ground with like a little person who's dressed just like him because there's a great cut from them performing in unison and slow-mo up to the you know opposite color palette uh you know neon whatever not actual neon but that like blue and black uh black light trapeze act and yeah visually it's just non-stop fun for this second portion the the way he like he nails the gig too is so yeah. fantastic in full Joker form because he has to lie his way in as like a uh, Russian um like uh like a uh, Russian ringleader and yeah. then when he gets caught out like I mean formally the way that like camera just glides over this long table just filled with like Soviet performers uh, as well like trying to decide his fate. And then he he goes on his his epic rant about uh, we're living in the era of big lies. 
women have to wear makeup to like hide <laughs> their faces. All the politicians are lying to us. People are poor. Like that shit like fucking rules. Yeah, that was pure Joker moment right that there. Was, yeah. That was yeah. That was that was Verdumo. That's yeah, like that's, that, that's what oh, I was thinking is Verdu yeah. or Great Dictator, like both of those Chaplin movies where he really really gives it to the audience like straight to camera pretty much yeah and you know i that's also what i like well i guess an interesting aspect of this movie is like him at odds like like he comes at odds with the life he's living the joker philosophy or whatever and he you know he's he's combative towards a lot of people like that's a pretty like people like why'd you lie to get into our job it's like well everyone lies now you know pretty confrontational with his beliefs but everyone in his life kind of tells him like ignore your moral compass essentially like don't follow it in a way oh yeah yeah. i mean the third act introduces a film producer who is also like notably more sleazy and morally corrupt than any of the circus kind of producers who are also pretty you know on the outs but uh there's even a line in that big speech where it's kind of what starts it off. They, they're mad at him because he lied about being a Soviet ringleader uh, and or ringmaster rather, who could you know uh, mess with trained tigers and stuff like that. So it creates this really dangerous situation, and they're yelling at him for that danger. And he's like, "You know what else is dangerous?" poverty and hunger yeah and just like that <laughs> transition into the speech fucking killed me like that yeah. was that was the sickest thing ever and kapoor is kind of like the uh he's like an orator he's kind of like the the mc from uh max ophos's la ronde the guy who like guides you from one story to the next despite the fact that he is the protagonist i feel like that framing device and the way he addresses camera and the way that his songs speak the themes so directly to the audience particularly the songs that he sings uh really does feel like he himself as a personality in front of and behind the camera is so steadily guiding you through this four-hour movie i guess sort of before we we talk about the romance like going sour um in part two i just love i, I mean it it makes sense like where uh like structurally where we're at in the film but I just love the the very pleasant highs of Raju's career that happen here. There's oh, yeah. so much mm-hmm. just like sweetness and like the s- spectacle that's fun to indulge in. But I there's one moment in particular where he's like doing that hat trick with his nose that the, the <laughs> yeah. Soviets trying to like teach him. And there's just that moment like afterwards where they're just doing that really funny bit of like congratulatory, like kissing each other so much. <laughs> and it's just like, that's real. Like, I don't know. Those moments that happen here are just like real silent era, like very, like a lot of it, very Chaplin style shit. But I, I just eat that up and it's, um, I, I don't know. I really enjoy uh, his high point here. No, yeah, he's not a joker for no reason. He's yeah. he's a god at it, which is you do. Like, I do the kissing bit is so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, I do like how like his talent is recognized too up on the trapeze, kind of literally from above. You know, him seeing do the hat trick, they're like, yeah, this guy's gonna be the next big fucking clown. Like, yeah, <laughs> like and I, you know, that's. That's, uh, you know, you, you can't help but draw some parallels between, I don't know much about Raj Kapoor, but isn't this movie a bit autobiographical or something like that? That's what it would seem. 
Yeah. So you know, it's just like you got it. You got a talent. You got to share it with the world. The kissing bit for those not in the loop, for those who haven't seen the movie. Uh, yeah. After the Soviet guy like successfully teaches him this trick of balancing his hat on his nose, uh, he hugs him and gives him a kiss on the cheek, and Kapoor is like uh, dumbfounded by it, so he returns the kiss on the cheek, and they kiss each other for about three minutes straight on the cheek. <laughs> uh, each kiss after like a big pronounced hug, too. You know, it's not like <laughs> rapid fire. It's very long and drawn out, and I think that's what I'm gonna do to our boys on the break. Uh, we'll be right back on extended clip. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. Malcolm. Did you watch any fucking movies this week? <laughs> no, no, no. You know, and I guess I guess we're back to uh you know that the part, you know, the segment. Sometimes we do the segment we're like we we're not watching movies. You know, I guess it, I guess it is like we you know, we do it for the job. We watch movies for hire obviously for the pod, but um I and guess elsewhere if you're hiring people who watch movies. That's true. I I just haven't even considered that as a possibility even I guess for you know, for myself. But uh, um what do you call it? You know, no movies may. I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately. You know, thank hmm. thank you to to Eddie, JT, two fervent Frasier fans who's brought this into my life. It's been a great comfort. And uh, I watched one recently that is, it has an amazing premise where uh, Frasier has a dream, a gay dream about Gil. Yes. And then oh the, the, the whole rest of the episode is him trying to rationalize like why he had that dream all of the conclusions being that he's not gay and uh i just i don't know what to tell you that's an amazing premise that's you know i watch fraser watch i just finished season three which is a particularly strong season i would say and it's like fraser some of the like the payoff's always good and it's always like done well in execution but some of it has some of the best like sitcom episode premises yeah just ever just like okay yeah that's automatically money like oh, that yeah, concept yeah. someone brings up what a problem might be and you could see what the gags are going to be two scenes ahead and it doesn't matter because it's so fucking funny like yeah. you don't know exactly what the gags are going to be you know but it's like oh they're getting into it <laughs> yeah and it is it, it is and with like you know with this show frazier it is like you do appreciate some innovation or whatever like i feel like the turn of season three there's just less time of frazier answering calls in the studios and stuff like that just more other stuff happening and you appreciate that but it's also a show where it's like you know you could replay the hits you could just frazier being a fuddy-duddy you know just kind of <laughs> basic tenets of the show that you could hit and it's gonna it's gonna hit yeah. hard for me get get all the characters in a vacation house for a weekend that's a classic episode actually, yeah. i actually feel like that's kind of later they do that like five or six times and maybe yeah. season three maybe you've seen one of those have you like an episode where Roz is there like on vacation with yeah, them for no like, reason yeah 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 I haven't seen that but I did also watch where Daphne's old ex-fiance comes and they all have to pretend to be different roles within the family oh to yeah and pretend. Uh, Niles is gay with his dad no no Niles Niles is married to Daphne 
Oh, that's and what he's, it was. And he's, he's you know, he's See, getting a little another, handsy with her. That, that's how you know how repetitive the show is. There's another way, and in a perfect way, by the way. This is yeah. my favorite sitcom, not called Seinfeld. But uh, th- there's another one where they have to pretend they're, you know, someone else as uh, one of the people that lives at the house is entertaining a date. And uh, I believe, yeah, Martin and Niles play a couple, which is always fun. <laughs> So yeah, I've I've been having a lot of fun watching uh, basketball in Frasier. That's why. Oh yeah, the NBA playoffs are hot. <laughs> <laughs> JT, what about you? Please tell me you watched a movie. Um, just barely squeaked one in. You know, I like it's. I spend so much damn time traveling, getting here, doing all these things. It's like, where? When are you gonna? How do you? How do you find the time anymore? It's so busy now. Everything's reopening. COVID is over. Like, fuck the movies. Um, but that being said, I did watch one movie, one that's pretty good. Um, it was 1949's The Counterfeit Cat by Tex Avery. Now, I unfortunately, I was streaming this one on HBO Max, and it was under, like, a big collection of, like, uh, uh, Tweety and Sylvester so I was really I was honestly excited for some Tweety Bird action in this but it's not it's um just something that like has the has the seeds of those two characters um, it's about a cat trying to uh, steal a bird from a cage from a dog and a lot of antics ensue um, I don't know I don't think it's like a particularly like standout like Avery short I watched it a few days ago, and I honestly can't remember, like, too many gags aside from uh, there's a good bit where, like, for most of it, the cat pretends to be a dog, and he, like, rips another dog's, like, scalp off (laughs) with, like, the ears intact and just sort of, like, drapes it over his head, and uh, I don't know, that was good. I mean, like, I'm just barely squeaking in movies here, but... uh, it was a seven-minute cartoon. It was good. I had a great time. What about you, Eddie? Have you been watching any fucking movies since we're on trial? Since we're just flushing the sanctity of the segment down a toilet yeah. with <laughs> cartoon shorts and sitcoms. It's going to be YouTube videos I watched for next week. <laughs> yeah, I might as well just fucking give up, too. Uh, I, wa- I-, I finished season three of The Shield. It was good. Damn. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie's, Eddie's got some attitude about, about it, too, I guess. <laughs> It was good. Uh, what was good about it, Eddie? <laughs> yeah, well, season three of the Shield just keeps getting like the the show just keeps getting more and more depraved. Season two kind of leads with this heist uh, of an Armenian money train, and as cool as that sounds, wait till you hear about the aftermath of the Armenian money train, which takes place over the course of season three. There are so many just funny like undercover based episodes uh season three sees the entrance of the decoy squad to the farmington police department uh who are you know they specialize in undercover stuff so there's a lot of fun in games in that regard that's like you know almost playing sitcom type stuff into the cop show Uh, just people (laughs) pretending to be different than they are and it's funny because you know the characters so well uh, there is an episode where Walton Goggins has to go undercover as a gay prostitute. And <laughs> while it may remind you at first of William Friedkin's Cruisin', uh, the humor is much closer to uh, uh, pe- 
pantyhose hero by Sammo Hung. Uh, and by that, I mean the humor is very crude, uh, but wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, it's it's just an incredible show where Chickless's charisma is like, I don't know, it, it's both a realistic depiction of just an unremarkable looking uh, Oakley wrap around the back of the neck, uh, eight inch neck cop. Actually, eight inches even small, like two foot wide neck cop. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also just such a nuanced kind of comedic and like nimble uh, uh, physical performance. I, I think when he gets kind of uh, really into something, it just is such a different physical presence than him kind of skulking. And yeah, he can turn it from zero to 100 quite quickly. And uh, that goes for the rest of the cast, too. I think my my season three uh, sub MVP might be CCH Pounder as uh, Claudette, who is kind of stuck in this purgatory between being a detective partnered up with the uh, the ever obnoxious and awesome Dutch and her uh, awaiting uh, the the promotion that is awaiting her, uh, supposedly. So. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic show. Can't recommend it highly enough. I can't stop seeing the chickless at work. He's That's he, so the man cool. gets enough gets he can't get enough of me. I think I should just start harassing him to come on the podcast. Just I like, should just come start by. come picking you up from work every day and just hope chickless is you know rolling <laughs> through. I'll I'll send you texts to let you know to when okay. to swing. If by. I'm in the area, yeah. If I'm in the area, I'll definitely swing through. <laughs> you can you can throw, lay out a little pitch for him. Y'all pitch him on the podcast. <laughs> it's either harass or pitch. No other option there. No other. Hey, we're in Hollywood, baby. That's what you do. <laughs> that's, that's true. You just harass and pitch. <laughs> and then you either get put in jail or you get an overall first look deal with some fucking company that doesn't exist anymore. That's that's. I was going to say MGM, and that's why that came oh, out of my mouth. Shit. No, I'm not going to say rest in peace because it's like what the fuck's MGM been doing for the last 50 years. But uh, you'll look back to the classics. Rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. You know, back when you could harass and pitch. <laughs> now you just have to pitch and microaggression or something. Bitch and moan. Now, yeah. Now you have to tweet out your band aid from the vaccine. Okay. Okay. Because they they want because they want you to. What are you, the LeBron James of the podcast, the one unvaccinated yes. member? Yes. Yes, I am the LeBron James of the goddamn podcast. <laughs> we'll be back on Extended Clip. Hey, bhai, dara dekh ke chalo, aage hi nahi, piche bhi. It's the difference between me and you, okay? <laughs> and we're back on extended clips, still talking about uh, Maranam Joker. We're Part, still at it. We're still at it. Part two, the romance has blossomed between him and the beautiful Soviet gymnast. <laughs> but it turns sour uh, kind of 
quickly as his mom comes to visit him. So to set up a little more about the mom, she is, you know, sick and it looks like she's dying and all she wants is a beautiful, angelic daughter-in-law. That's what every mom dreams of, yeah. is a daughter-in-law who Don't remind looks me like that. that. <laughs> yeah, I've been home one day and my mom just won't stop nagging me about this shit. When am I going to bring home a, a daughter-in-law? No, yeah, I feel like, you know, with kind of the focus on romance, and I feel like there's a lot, like, compared to the first one, where it's, like, there's a lot of, like, exterior and, like, outside shots and whatever, like, it really is more, like, within the circus, like, performances, backstage rooms and whatnot, and, like, yeah, because I think this movie is great on, like, a grand visual level when it goes for, you know, some of its, you know, bigger setups and shots, but also really nails it, like, it's more intimate moments, too, when it comes to, like, staging and blocking and kind of, like, subtle camera movements to enhance emotions, like, a lot of great push-in close-ups here, oh, yeah. which I think is great, and, like, he uses so many push-ins, all to great effect, I would say, so when he decides to go for a zoom, it feels all that more effective, too, so, like... Yeah, I don't know. A lot, a lot of great, um, more subtle tricks in his bag for this second part. Uh, yeah, and also the staging has to be kind of perfect as he's, you know, doing it as the, this like performance for crowds. And you also get like just great gags, like the guy in the bear suit doing total like sped up silent comedy with the guy with the funny car. It, it's just you're just having a good time. You're just like you're gonna be there for four hours. You might as well just be down to watch some other characters do goofy shit for a while, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. you see a monkey on a bicycle? I'm oh, never so gonna cool. like talk that down in a film. That should be in pretty much every movie. No, yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty much a race to say that, JT, because I was also like, forgot about the monkey, the monkey on the bike. But it, it was the monkey. I mean, the monkey on the bike is amazing. Anything yeah. a monkey does, I'm. I'm there for it, you know, as previously it, stated. It could only be a little bit better if he was jacking off while on the bicycle <laughs> yeah, exactly. as well. Well, maybe we got a second monkey in there. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> monkey sucks, gives him roadhead while he's on All the bike. Right. Oh. <laughs> Monkeys can't think that far. <laughs> but, you, if, uh, with, but in the circus, you could train them. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we I, I and we are noted fans of the fat suit on this movie, but I or on this podcast. But I do uh, want to note the buff suit, uh, <laughs> the like inflatable buff suit that Raju wears at one point, which is a, a good bit, of course. But so the mom comes to see him perform with his fairy perfect daughter-in-law girlfriend also performing there, and he starts doing the same old junk that his late father did—a clown. Up on the trapeze wires. Ah, get him down from there. He can't be up there. He falls, but he doesn't hurt himself because th- there's a netting because they've you know it made some advances in circus safety in the generations. Uh, but the mom passes out and dies just from the sight of her son falling from the heights of the trapeze wires and. Uh, it's a it's a pretty rough way to end part two, and you just he has to say bye to his Soviet girlfriend and uh, just say bye to his mother and uh, move on to the late wandering phase of his life known as part three. I mean, yeah. right when his mom dies, right Mo- dies at the circus, we get like the zoom in through the net. You know, the zoom in I was talking about previously a zoom in like you know a lot of these trapeze scenes are shot with like uh the net kind of as like the foreground which is a really interesting like you know visual scheme there and then 
you know, after he gets up and he sees the crowd cheering, notices that his mom fucking died. You know, you get a zoom in through the net to him just kind of staring. And then how that progresses to where the, you know, the sleazy circus promoter, you know, gives him five minutes to cry over his mom backstage and then immediately gets the mic. It's like, all right, he's coming back to the stage. And the fact that he accepts it, too, you know, is crazy as like he gives this kind of emotional performance that references his mother while other circus employees watch backstage just kind of in like disgust and shock and that yeah. maybe disgust is the wrong word but just you know like kind of confused and just overwhelmed with emotion and like uh because it's an emotionally difficult scene like there yeah. are so many different ways those characters could read that performance like they sure it's the slogan that the producer says the show must go you know yeah. but uh they, they also maybe think he's being almost like unprofessional like if he even had to hesitate but then there's the other end of the spectrum maybe what the viewers are thinking more of just like jesus his mom just died and now he's got to fucking uh, clown his heart out but hey that's the joker's promise right there yeah and i love the kind of like gauzed out uh like soft focus around him during that performance mm-hmm. there are these weird shots that look like it's just everywhere except for his face on the lens they just smeared vaseline or something it's just uh these incredible lighting schemes that he comes up with for these performances but it leads us to part three where as we said he is a wandering tramp and uh we we see him dragging that joker doll along the shore where he has a nice little wait for it meet cute uh, <laughs> with uh mina and her dog or sorry as we know uh, him in the beginning master minu and his dog True. uh in the <laughs> least sly gender uh flip reveal ever where it's just like he's just like uh when he makes a joke about her hands being like a girl it took me aback i was like Oh, no, we're yeah. supposed to buy that that's a guy. Oh, it, it, we're supposed to buy that he buys that that's a dude, uh, which is, you know, whatever. It's just funny, kind of. No, yeah, I was I just like, it's just a girl with short hair. It's basically. just a girl with short hair. <laughs> the second time he uh, she reveals her femininity after, like, they hold hands for a second, yeah. uh, he, he she just, like, completely buys that she's a dude again until he sees her huge titties through the side of her shirt yeah. <laughs> it's just like wait a <laughs> what second. and 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 much like in his youth immediately he wants to run away he's yeah. like i can't handle this this is too much you lied to you me. lied to you're actually this person <laughs> i'm getting along with so well is actually a beautiful woman too <laughs> god fucking damn it it's the last thing i need right now <laughs> it's a beautiful woman don't you know i have to go wander and be a joker and shit like that don't you Jokers know I- don't got time for beautiful women I can't I can't settle down. I got to be, you know, a philosophical wanderer. If the motivating joker on Instagram has taught me anything, it's that he played this situation correctly to just go away at first. (laughs) Uh, But I love where she lives because it's just like this shack that's on the other end of this tunnel full of like this tunnel tube system kind of thing yeah uh and you just get so many incredible shots of the you know clearly artificial kind of like matte background where the the color scheme kind of flips from this like orange yellow during the day to this blue and purple at night during a storm and it's probably the most expressive use of color and the most like um artificial looking exteriors throughout the movie but it really harkens 
kids to that like classical studio look almost uh, as they have their their tryst in the rain. And Malcolm, you said that he was like so detached at this point. He feels so detached from like entertainment. But yeah. He still wants to help yeah. her, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, he feels this undying bond toward her mm-hmm. so they do these more like serious songs he, he pairs up with her and uh they, they do this more serious duo act uh known as like uh kawali and you know this guy mr kumar comes f- over from you know the bollywood studios sees this performance and is like look lady you got a future yeah well <laughs> i guess when i say like he's detached in this version maybe detached is a strong word but like just i think it's interesting with each individual part with like uh you know it's like life the joker learns his lessons or whatever the first romance is a doomed romance one that could never happen mm-hmm. one that just produces strange feelings he you know what else can he do but watch her you know get kissed in the distance or whatever second one's more even handed but ends tragically in a way and then the third one he's kind of like He's he does care for her, but like at a certain point, like he he knows where this is gonna end. Up. Yeah, he's suspicious from her from the start. He's learned yeah. to not trust hoes throughout his <laughs> existence. Well, because he sees her like hierarchy exactly. of like needs, kind of like when they they get rid of the dog. Uh, yeah, that and was she's great. like, well, we we don't really need the dog anymore. And then she gets the studio offer, and he's like, well, what about the play we just did? And she's like, well, we don't really need the the play anymore. So he just gets out of there before she can say that about him yeah exactly exactly so it is like he's just like he knows how things are gonna end he's not even he's not even particularly he's a little bit sad about it but it is just like he's a he's old enough to accept where life uh leads him and it is kind of in this weird mentor slash i guess lover role with you know this but he's also still such a simp that he goes so far along the ride before having to draw a line in the sand because the producer is like, you got to leave. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave her be. Uh, because he, and it brings one of the great quotes of the movie. And I'm, you know, I don't have it written down, unfortunately, uh, but I'll, I'll put it in the original language as a clip. But he asks if he loves her. <laughs> I love everything. I love, you yeah. know, I love women. I love men. I love the earth, you know, uh, yeah. and he professes just his undying love for life at this point. And that is like the enlightened Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I love this third half in terms of how like like you were saying it gets so expressive but i think just like the colors on display here in the circus of course it's like big and vibrant and colorful like this it gets just so like dark and bleak but like i don't know never any less beautiful i mean obviously when they'd start doing their like theatrical performances and when she transitions into like doing bollywood stuff it gets a little bit more stylish there too but I, I don't know. He just, uh, even though he still loves just joking and making people happy, um, you can sort of see it like wear on his face, like, and Kapoor's performance. He just seems like, 
he you just watch him get more and more tired throughout the movie yeah and what you said about the stuff getting more extravagant as it goes into the more bollywood type numbers uh yeah, I mean, her costumes just get so elegant. And I, I think when they're doing those more serious stage productions, uh, I feel like it's a mo- and I haven't seen enough movies from the country to say this kind of thing, but it does feel more like traditional musical numbers, but also uh, just such a lavish version of it. You know, Kapoor holds, uh, he holds nothing back in terms of the costuming, uh, the set design, and the way that the camera captures all of it. No, yeah. Also, it is uh, kind of at, at the end of the second one and kind of like how the third, like how the original framing device that comes back at the end where he's got, you know, the three women in his life that he's invited is that even though he does kind of have a very conflicting uh, relationship when it comes to entertainment, he realizes, you know, the stage is the only place in where I could truly work out my problems in, in a way and like so that is it is an interesting perspective and like i think the way the movie ends doesn't necessarily deem that as like a good or bad thing or yeah. whatever even though there's some negative aspects to it of course but it is like you know the show go the show the ending is basically like the show goes on right yeah yeah i mean the ending as it transitions back into this performance that was the framing device it does so wonderfully Absolutely. as he's given back that doll once again by yet another lover and he looks at it puts it on the ground and it comes to life uh, through the magic of the movies <laughs> it you know it looks like some pretty basic wire work uh and it is it starts dancing around a little bit and then we cut to that framing device performance where Kapoor is dressed just like that Joker doll as he finishes out the movie so strongly and yeah i don't know that final performance just seeing their faces transposed over his one at a time real mm-hmm. quick and just the fact that it's supposed to be his last performance ever and he says you know i'll perform one more time before i die he says that to you know one of the producers uh in the second act the the circus producer and then it ends with him just being like, actually, no, I, I love this and I have to keep doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it ends with the title card that says positively not the end. And he goes on this uh, rant at the the final lines are about how we're going to have another intermission. It's, it might be five minutes, five hours, five months, uh, but we will definitely be back soon. And it's kind of heartbreaking because you almost want him to hang it up. Yeah. You almost want him to be like, dude, you lived the greatest life of the Joker of all time time to reflect on it a little more but the only thing he knows is being a joker eddie where would he go what would he do exactly i can't i can't imagine him doing anything else throughout his life it's just such a badass way for kapoor to end the movie that's like heavily autobiographical something that apparently was in like production for six years like just such a painful work that clearly deals with a lot of like personal sacrifices that he must have been making to like make his art and then to just sort of like wrestle with all this for the duration of like four fucking hours and then to be like you know what I'm just too damn fucking good at this. I love, I love, I love that all you guys just eat this up and like, I, I, I'm good at it. So it's like, I'm going to like, I'm not, I'm going to keep making fucking movies and, and, and like, you don't, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I just can't stop. And that's that, uh, it's a successful mindset. Also with Raju and, you know, I don't know if this applies to Raj Kapoor, but it's like his whole life has kind of been set up to where he's doing this, you know, 
people have been telling him his whole life, you know, when he kind of strays away from that, it's like, remember the Joker mindset, like put on these sunglasses, <laughs> stop crying. So it is, it is like, I can't really imagine him doing anything else. Cause his whole life has led up to him being a Joker and God damn it. If he's not one of the best ones ever. JT, a- any final thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? Give it a bullet rating. Thank you for bringing it to the pod. Great selection. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I'm giving this one five bullets. I loved it. It's my favorite Kapoor that I've seen so far. But uh, the other two, Awara and Shree 420, are like four and a half bullets as well. So it's just like I am blown away every time um, by just how purely entertaining his movies are and like how i don't know especially like politically for uh, tackling things from a really socialist perspective they're interesting and engaging and just how much here he's commenting and has the ability to be self-reflexive um i don't know truly like a, a master and uh i cannot wait to uh watch his other features malcolm no yeah i'm gonna go five bullets as well and- yeah, thank, thank you for bringing this JT because like I, I always do have a hesitation for longer movies. So when it's like assigned for the podcast, it's like okay, well I have to watch it now. And I, you know, with all the examples we've done, I feel like I've I've always enjoyed them greatly. But yeah, this movie in particular is, I mean, it's so richly melodramatic too. And I feel like I was really on, you know, the wavelength of of that melodrama. Visually very impressive, and like of course, it's a very performance based movie. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, Joker performances clowning around, you know, and like there's a variety of performances too. you know, some of the more uh, serious, traditional toned down stuff and the way it's all integrated and, you know, just all the things that are, that are considered, you know, uh, just the way a life is kind of boiled down to, you know, some of these questions is just it's really masterful. And yeah, I feel like I feel like this is almost an unearned pleasure. I feel like I should have watched some of Raj Kapoor's movies before seeing this. But, you know, either, either way, either way, I am very happy to see this movie. I'm going to explore his filmography. You further. earned that pleasure, baby. Have it. Hell have yeah. it. It's yours. Hell, you know what, JT? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Eddie, what do you think? I don't think you earned the pleasure. Uh, I like, it's this balance that keeps me keeps me hard. You have to grind harder. <laughs> I'm going four and a half bullets on I think this is just absolutely incredible and um i i think it'll only grow on me more with time and especially if i watch more raj kapoor films i feel like we we talked mainly about narrative and emotion and comedy in this but on a formal level it is kind of unbeaten there's i mean i've talked a bit about the staging but it's it's really just so effortless seeming there there's a scene that first field trip musical number in the first segment where the class is following the teacher and you just see this incredible shot of a train passing by and right when the train passes by they hop on the train tracks and start walking but then in the deep background you start seeing the train again coming around the bend uh as it keeps passing and you have this you know giant huge line the train at the far end of the frame looping all the way back down to the kids moving and dancing and it's just I believe that this film took six years to make. It's all on screen. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's a huge fucking production, and it's worth every fucking minute of it. That that field trip sequence alone is one of the best things I've ever seen. Like it, it's a 
just yeah i get i don't know what the like sequencing of scenes why didn't my like, school have that yeah ex- <laughs> i would have loved to experience everything joker did on that, teacher field trip. Like that oh my god oh my <laughs> fucking god hey she's my favorite oh, oh whoa. <laughs> <laughs> dibs dibs do apply here on extended clip so run back the, run back the audio <laughs> Extendedclippodcast at gmail.com is how you get in touch with us. Um, Our first email this week comes from Shilpa Sharma, and it says, hi. And the body of the email is just two question marks. Hmm. Not really a question. Interesting. Our next (laughs) one comes... (laughs) Go ahead, JT. No, just getting a little weird with it. I like it. Our next one comes from Laura Jacobus, and the subject line is John from Cincinnati episode. You threw it out there as a joke, but please do a JFC episode, at least on the After Hours feed. That show is insane. What is John from Cincinnati? Has this been referenced on the show before? I'm not yeah, I'm not familiar. When I explained who David Milch was on an oh. episode, uh, I referenced him creating John from Cincinnati, which I've been... You know what, Laura? I, I will watch it. I'm not going to force these guys to watch John from Cincinnati, but I might if it's just as crazy as it seems because I've I, read up I'd a little bit. I'd be interested. Hey. I, yeah. I'm, it's worth. It seems like it might be worth my time. So, f- from what I understand, it's a bit like uh, uh, my name is Joker in the sense that uh, the the lead character is kind of like the big fella upstairs. Oh, he's God. He's kind of like Jesus Christ. That's exactly like my name is Joker too. <laughs> Mar- <laughs> no, let's call it, you know, uh, Maranam Joker. You know, these movies don't get oh, English sorry. translated titles for a reason. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm just. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is uh, a good time to ask Eddie that question, though, because he's definitely he's on that tip, that crime show tip. Oh, John from Cincinnati, oh. I don't think is a crime show. Well, stuff. yeah, it's a it, drama it's, set against the surfing community of Imperial Beach, California. Still applies. Still applies. <laughs> our next one <laughs> is from our friend Roxana, and it says, hey, guys, uh, the subject line is all emojis. I can't see it on my laptop. Hey, guys. I've been thinking a lot about all the things I'm looking forward to do once the interminable lockdown, interminable lockdown is finally over where I live. High up on that list would definitely be getting another tattoo, which got me wondering, do you have any film-related tattoos? If not, what would you want to get if you had to get a movie tattoo? Blessed be Roxana, well, and blessed be unto you. Well, I just want to say I admire greatly uh, Eddie's big lights camera action tattoo that he has tattooed on his thigh <laughs> and the other one of a cot board that's on his other thigh. And he's got a lot, a lot of ones like that. I have just running down my arm just a film spool loose. <laughs> True. He's got the actor masks, like the happy and sad on his arm and stuff. Well, that would be a great face tattoo is splitting your face. <laughs> one half of your face is the happy face. The other is the dramatic face. I might get, I might get some face tattoos just so I could get casted in movies as like crazy fa- face tat guy. Yeah. I saw a movie face tattoo guy. Once I saw a guy with a transformers, uh, Autobots logo tattooed on his forehead at McDonald's. Really? Once. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. <laughs> JT, do you have, do do any of us have any tattoos? I, I just have the IndieWire logo above my taint, but <laughs> <laughs> above your taint, so on your dick. <laughs> oh, or did you say on your taint? Um, I said above, but it's more on. 
Yeah, let's keep them honest. <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it family friendly. We can talk <laughs> about the taint on a PG show, but not the penis. Tattoos are an interesting subject for me because I want to want to have a ta- tattoo, but you I don't want to want one. I want to want one, okay. but I, I don't. I guess I don't. What about you, JZ? Um, yeah, it's. I never thought. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it would be a cool guy thing to do to have one, but I can't think of any good exactly. ideas. Exactly. I know your feelings about tattoos, Eddie, but why don't you... Uh, we were talking about this just the other day. Oh, God. I don't want to expose myself. <laughs> As hateful? What, what JT and I were talking about is a little more personal than what I'll say here, but I'll just say that I don't have any plans to get any, and I've been very put off by other people who are very into them, uh, but that's about it. I mean, I also like think they're cool too like kind of on on some people uh not not in a way that i'm like yo check out that tat over there Ink, Ink master eddie yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> but like there i've seen tattoos people like post on twitter that i'm like oh cool not for me but good for you i guess uh another movie tattoo and god i hope he's not listening because i told him it was cool uh Uh-oh. was a guy i knew in community college who had a still fully in color what? tattooed uh from the end of the truman show yeah the image of jim carrey uh reaching the end of the sea and he hits like that wall of like a matte painting and there's like the door he had that frame tattooed on his arm what is that what does that mean i don't know something about perspective i you know it is maybe we should get tatted up i'm not i don't know this is a very this is a very interesting uh yeah, thank topic you, for me i i i don't know it's it's dredging out a lot of confused feelings in all of us I yeah because i can't quite articulate like i sound like a, a lunatic right now saying oh i hate tattoos but sometimes they're cool <laughs> other people, but sometimes they really turn me off of other people so it's like with mm-hmm. tattoo you, you get something you like and you tattoo it on yourself I don't understand. I mean, know. sometimes oh. people will just like I've I've dated women in the past who yeah. have gotten tattoos that are. Oh, just I didn't like, want to go down this route, but yeah, that, they're just like cool designs. Like you don't have to be as like personally attached to it. You could just like like an artist and then get like something in their style like on your body. Bad dating story. Uh, just real quick. I'll never talk about my personal life on the podcast again. Uh, one time, I think it was like maybe the third or fourth time I was hanging out with this girl uh, in community college. And she was like, I want to get another tattoo. And I was like, another? Uh, and uh, I, I, I went with her and it was just like the uh, like the star sign, like the, the, the astrology okay. sign, like the, st- the constellation for her astrological sign. All right. Uh, very large uh, on one of her legs. And, uh, you know, I was just like trying to be a good sport about it or whatever. And then like. A few days later, she hit me with a, you know, ever since uh, ever since I got my tattoo, you've been really weird. <laughs> and that was the last time we talked. Next email uh, comes from our new friend, Avery Brooks. It says, get Neil. You guys should get Neil Bahadur as a guest. That guy is awesome. He's, pre- he's, he's pretty that cool. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, I would be, I would like that. Okay. Uh, I'll Tag him in the replies. Yeah. Go, go, you know. Some extended clips sent you. I hope he says yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next one 
comes from Jacob. It says directors to vibe or spar with. Oh, okay. Mm, Hello, Extended Clip Podcast. Hope all is well. With the weather changing and summer chill vibes on our doorstep, I'd like to know which directors you'd most ideally like to crack open some brews, grill up some burgers, and beat the meat with. What? What? Oh, sorry. Beat the heat with. Uh That might have been a little Freudian slip there. (laughs) Alternatively, if you are feeling the summer madness in Faced with a sort of Mortal Kombat tower situation, <laughs> which directors uh, could you confidently defeat in a test of physical prowess? Let's assume Woody Allen is already on the board of something of a handicap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, and let's keep up the great work. Um, I like Wes Anderson, but I could kick his ass. I'm just going to say that right out the gate. That would be I, fun to do. I don't like Wes Anderson, and I could kick his ass. I mean, I here's here's the thing. I'm trying to think of directors who could beat me up. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. <laughs> it's like Zack Snyder could beat you up. I, probably, probably, probably. Uh, also, is Zack Snyder's muscular build uh, for show and not for go? He might, he might, yeah, he might be a little a gym model rather yeah. than an actual buff little, guy. Little glamour muscle, little <laughs> glamour, glamour muscle Zack there. I could, I could use you know, some glamour muscle. He is an athlete more than anything. You know. Um, yeah, so like I think just keep bringing him in the ring. Keep bringing him to the ring until there's one that that gets me. Um, As for who I'd want to chill with, I don't know. Tom Green's made a movie. That's true. I don't know if I. <laughs> I kind of just want to chill with my friends, to be honest. Yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I was trying to think of one, and then I thought about that, and I was like, I've heard interviews with Tom Green where I would have, as an audience member, wanted to walk out of wherever that yeah. was. Like I. I don't know why Tom Green was the first one I thought of. I don't think there are too many directors I would really get along uh, with, honestly. <laughs> I hate think, to say it. I I'm, idolize a lot of them, and a lot of them that I idolize would not want to kick it. With I'd me. be weird about it. Yeah. He mentioned, like, the cookout-style setting. Okay. I would just, like, it would be like it would be great to get a bunch of different directors at a cookout <laughs> together. Like, the you get, you you get Romare there. Uh, you got Green away. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, definitely two on the top of my list. <laughs> Greenaway and Romare. What, what, what are we going to do? They're definitely inviting no, I mean, the obviously cookout. those are bad choices, but you just throw in, like, yeah. uh, who else do you throw, like, uh, Whit um, Stillman. Maybe, maybe John Woo, you get That's him in the mix. You just have oh, an actually, interesting party. I'm just you making know the worst party ever with, like, Whit Stillman, yeah. Peter Greenaway. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know, I guess... T- Fucking what's uh Peter Berg? A chill of Peter Berg, maybe. Oh, I thought you were gonna like, <laughs> go back to the first category. I was gonna say he could probably beat you up too. Peter Berg? I mean, pff, yeah, probably, probably. Jackie Chan. Peter Berg now? I don't know. I don't I'd know. hang out with Jackie Chan. I'd hang out with Jackie Chan too. I, yeah, I'd hang out with a lot of. The, it depends. It depends. It has to I be the to right social this. context. A lot of the directors I would want to hang out with are like movie star directors. <laughs> True. Exactly. Like, you just see their face more, I guess, in the movies. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Charlie Thanks. Chaplin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's uh, I guess Look, East... I'm not letting them near my little sister. Yeah, but... yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say something along those lines. I guess, I guess, I, I guess, Whit Stillman. I wanna, I wanna chop it up with Whit Stillman because we, we kind of used to be cool, and now it's just the relationship isn't there. So maybe we could link up again, you know, break bread, get things right. All right, Whit, reach out. Um, that is gonna do it for this week's extended clip. Next week is Malcolm's pick. Do you have a pick yet? I don't know. Maybe we bring David in. Maybe next week is David week? Okay. Yeah, let's do David's I, I, week. I think next week we're going to have a guest, our friend David. Uh, so I don't, 
oh, David has some good double features planned. I don't know which one he's going to pick. But, That's uh, true. He did the, He did preview he, of, with he, some. Yeah, the ones he showed me were very nice. He has, he has a document. He's ready. <laughs> oh, damn. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, JT will be the guest next week. It'll be David Whoa. in here. It'll be the three of us and then JT phoning in. <laughs> phoning it in as <laughs> JT you did a great job this episode thank you Malcolm <laughs> I've been trying to elevate you too we can't the let Eddie keep us down <laughs> the handicap of being in fucking shitsville Pennsylvania whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, you know what that is true <laughs> no I mean he's right I'm uh, everywhere I go I mean I know the these hip millennial city folks say it but I've been the be- most beautiful person everywhere I've been. Dude, that's probably true. I've always, uh, I'm not going to, That's. A, I was going to say something not good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it then. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>